Good morning, Journey. Let me tell you, wow. After first service, wow. God has just been working and breaking down walls. And so if you came here just to sit through a service, I'm praying you won't be able to just sit here and disregard it. I'm praying that you will see Jesus and respond as Jesus works in your heart. Because, folks, that's what our theme is for this year, right? Seeing Jesus clearly. And so many times stuff gets in the way. People get in the way. And so we're just coming today and saying, we just want to see Jesus. We just want to follow what Jesus has for us and to be obedient and to watch that power in our life. Uh, right now, I would ask you to, to pray. Uh, Haley Brown, Jimmy Brown's wife, is at the hospital, and Grayson should be coming any time now. So be praying for, for the Browns. And I appreciate the prayer for last week. Appreciate Chris preaching. Did a great job. We're so blessed to have him here. But I was up in Indiana with my mom, so she's supposed to be watching. So mom, this is for you to make sure you're watching. But appreciate the prayers. Her knee went from a 13 bent that they were concerned about that when after last week, it went down to a five. And that means they don't have to re-break it, which is great news. So we praise God for the healing in her life. So I appreciate your prayers as I was gone uh, with that. Amen. But we come to the conclusion of our series, All In. And I don't know about you, but sometimes it's easy to think we're all in and we're not. It's easy to think, yeah, I'm committed to Jesus. Yeah, I'm good. But then we've allowed things and, and situations and, and traditions and all those kinds of things to come in and, and to say, yeah, as long as you do this, this, and this, you're okay. But church, I want you to see there is far more to it than that. There is far more to serving Jesus than being in a relationship with Jesus than just a few things. And so today, I want us to conclude our series with this title, Risking all for Jesus. Risking all for Jesus. Now, you say, well, Randy, I don't know if I like that term risking, because risking seems like you have the opportunity to lose. And I understand your concern, because when we take risks in this life, there is some chance it's not going to work out. That's why it's called a risk. And sometimes in our service and following of Jesus, it appears to us that we are taking risks. Well, if I give Jesus my tithe, then I'm taking a risk that I won't have money to be there. If I give Jesus my life and my eternity, what happens if I die and it was wrong? Because, I mean, nobody's ever seen heaven. And, all the, and, the, and the devil just comes in and he brings doubts and he brings fear. And, and, and so you're like, I, I don't know. It just requires a little too much. So I'm just going to kind of back it up a little bit. I'm just going to kind of back it up so I'm not risking everything. Because church, what you do for Jesus and how you pursue Jesus will not come up empty. It is not a risk. He says, even to the point, if you give a cup of water in my name, I will not forget it. But the devil comes in and says, it's a risk. But Jesus is saying, but you can trust me. And that's a word we struggle with, isn't it? Trust. Because we've been hurt. We've been betrayed. We've been let down. 
We've been, you, put, you fill in the blank. And so we come back and we say, I don't know if I can go all in. And so as I was preparing this, I was looking through some of the definitions of all in. And one of them that is listed comes from a poker analogy. Now, I am not condoning nor condemning poker, but you understand what it means to go all in. Because in a game, you have a certain amount of money that you've put in, and you are trying to make a profit, you're trying to grow that, and so you gamble, you take a risk that it will pay off. But depending upon how strong your hand is, depends upon how much you put in. And so a lot of times in those games, you have different color chips. In this particular set, there are three colors. And I want to use this so you'll understand of maybe where you're at today. The first color is red. Now, folks, the only way to get in, all in with Jesus is to accept Jesus' blood for your sins. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So you can't be all in unless you're in Christ. And so today, maybe for some of you that you've been trying to play church, you've been trying to do good works, you've been trying to do all those things, you're missing out because you're trying to do all the works, and Jesus said, it's by faith alone in me that you're saved. Without the blood, nothing else matters. Church, without the blood, you remember the Passover? said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. It was a foreshadowing of the blood of Jesus. So it is only by the blood of Christ that we can be saved. And so if you're, if you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, oh, my friend, I, I, I plead with you. There's no greater decision that you can make than accepting Jesus' work for your sin, and he'll wash it all away. But then comes the next step. The next step, blue for baptism. Blue to follow Jesus in baptism. Repent and be baptized, Acts 2.38 says. Jesus, when he was ascending up to the Father, said, make disciples. That's the red. Then he said, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so you say, Randy, does it really make a difference if I'm baptized? Well, let me ask you a question. Does it really make a difference if you're married? You say, well, I just call her my wife. We're not really married. Are you? Well, I am officially the owner of this car. We don't have a title, so how are you the owner of the car? Church, Jesus said to be baptized. Randy didn't say it. Journey didn't say it. Baptist, Presbyterian, Methodist, you feel whatever denomination didn't say it. Jesus said it. And if we want to see the power unleashed in our life by obedience, we say, Lord, I will follow you in baptism. So for those of you that are here that you say, yeah, Randy, the blood's been applied to my life. Yeah, I'm a child of God. But if you haven't been baptized, can I tell you what Jesus wants from you next? To be baptized. That's not a Randy thing. That's not so anybody out here can gloat or brag. It's so that you can be obedient and then watch the power of Christ in your life. But then comes to the white one. Remember back to Acts, I mean back to Matthew 28. 
He said, make disciples that share the gospel. Baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then he said, and teach them to observe whatever I have taught you. To grow, to be holy, to be sanctified. So you see, church, what happens is there's a process that God has designed. And we try to take them out of order. We try to say, nope, I'm going to do baptism and try to live a sanctified life. You can't do it without the blood. You say, well, I'm going, to get, I'm going to get saved. I don't like to be up in front of everybody, so I'm going to get baptism. I'm going to live a sanctified life. You can't do it because you've broken the obedience that Jesus has called you to. The only way that you can be all in is when you do them the way Jesus said. But what does that look like? What does that look like that we are all in? I came in this morning into the auditorium, had my shirt on. Phil said, are you? And first I was like, well, hello to you too. And then I realized the shirt I was wearing, I said, yes, yes I am. So there's a difference to being all in and then wearing a shirt that says you're all in, right? So what does it look like? Well, I'm thankful Jesus doesn't say, well, just do the best you can. He gives us examples of what it means to be all in. And the first one that we want to look at is you have to be willing to risk your comfort. This rich young ruler came to Jesus, and the rich young ruler said to him, Master, how can I have eternal life? And Jesus said to him, keep the commandments. He said, I have from my youth up. Now remember, he is a young rich ruler, so we're not talking a lot of time here. He said, from my youth up, I have kept the commandments. So at this point, Jesus says, okay, let's check. Are you all in? When Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack, sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. Now here's what happened. Remember what the young rich ruler told Jesus? I've kept the law from my youth up. What is the, you shall have no other gods before me. So Jesus is giving him an example. All right, are you all in? Are you truly committed to me? Are you willing to do whatever I say? Sell all that you have and follow me. You see, there was a step that the rich young ruler had to take. There was a step. He couldn't just say, yeah, Lord, I'll do that sometime. Jesus is saying to him now, you want to follow me? Here's what you do. Leave where you're at. Step out. Sell all that you have. Give it away. And come follow me. Folks, I want you to focus on those words, follow me, because you're going to see them several times. And church, one of the things that I think that holds us back, that sometimes the enemy comes in and, and he throws doubt and confusion into our minds in our relationship with Jesus is because we still try to hold things back. That, that Lord, I would follow you, but I, I can't. Sometimes we say this, Lord, I'll follow you. Just don't call me to a foreign land. Don't call me to Africa. Don't call me to India. If I was God and we should all be thankful that I'm not. I would say, okay, I won't send you to Africa or India. I'll send you to Antarctica. 
That wasn't on your list. But we come holding back seclusions and saying, Lord, I'll follow you, but here are my, my limits. Church, here's what got a hold of me. Because when I was younger and, and growing up and serving and, and doing a lot of things for God, one of the things that I realized was I was trying to get God to follow me. You ever been guilty of that? God, I want to go to college, so would you please work it out so I can have a full-ride scholarship so I can go to this school? Lord, I want to follow this pursuit. I want to do this. Lord, I would like to marry this person. Lord, I'd like to do this. So what I'm doing is, Lord, I'm leading, you're following, and you just keep blessing. And church, one of the greatest things that ever happened in my life, and I pray that it's true in your life, is that you will stop asking God to follow you and you will say, Lord, I want to follow you. You take the lead, Jesus. Do you remember when Jesus taught the disciples and the truths that came out and said, you sit there and say, today, tomorrow, we'll do this. Lord willing, because he's in control, not me. He's the one I'm following. He's not following me. He's not sitting there doing whatever. He's not my genie in the bottle. I'm following him. But look at the response. But. Church, please listen to me. Until we get rid of the but. Until we get rid of, okay, Lord, yeah, I'll do it. But. Lord, I'll do this, but. Lord, whatever you say, I'll do it. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. You see, his love for possessions kept him from following Jesus. So church, what is it today that's keeping you from following Jesus? What is it today that you say, I, I just can't follow Jesus because uh, I had a parent that was a Christian and, and they were horrible and they were awful and so I just don't want to go down that road or I was involved in the church and I, they didn't do things right or I had a friend or what is it that you say, Lord, I would follow you, but, and you try to put restrictions. He is calling you. He is calling you to follow him all in. No restraints, no restrictions. But it's not just our comforts. Sometimes it's our reputation. You see, when Jesus was crucified, Joseph of Arimathea, he was of the Sanhedrin. He was a very rich and prominent person. And Joseph of Arimathea was a disciple of Jesus. And when Jesus was crucified and the, they were taking the body down, he went to Pilate and asked, and here's where the scripture tells us, and after these things, Joseph of Arimathea who was a disciple of Jesus. You see, he had the red. He had, I, I belong to Jesus. I believe Jesus is the Messiah. I'm following him. But there's a but. But secretly, for fear of the Jews. That kept him back. That kept him to where he said, Lord, I can't be all in, because if I am, they will they kick me off the Sanhedrin. If I do that, they'll take away my riches. If I do that, then I'll have nothing. And his fear was real. Because Josephus tells us about Nicodemus, who was the other one that went with Joseph to get the body of Jesus. He was the richest 
person of the land. And after word got out that Nicodemus was part of the ones that took Jesus' body and wrapped it and prepared it for burial, Josephus tells us that his family ended up begging for bread because they were ostracized. You see, it's fun. It's fun having a baptism in this environment. Because just like first service, when folks came up and were being obedient and following the Lord in baptism, you guys celebrate and rejoice, as well you should. But what if coming up and getting baptized, and there's a boss in the auditorium, and if the boss sees this person gets baptized, they're fired, would we still be excited? I shared this with you last January. But when I was in India, had the privilege of seeing converts follow Christ in baptism. And it was in a trough not quite this big and definitely not this clean. And this young lady came. And she had professed her faith in Christ. The pastor had told her about following in baptism. She had told her dad, Dad, I believe in Jesus. His words to her was, you can believe in whoever you want. Hindu has millions of gods. They don't care. But the father said this, but I forbid you to get baptized because that makes you one of those Christians. If you do, you'll no longer be my daughter. So here's what I wonder. Could the daughter have went through this thought process? Well, I'm saved. Jesus is my, I'm a disciple of Jesus I don't, have, I don't need baptism to make me saved, so I'm just going to leave it there. That would be easy to do, wouldn't it? And several people would be like, hey, that, that makes sense. No need to rock the boat. But this girl knew her Savior had called her to follow him in baptism. So on that day that we were there, she stepped into the waters. She glanced over at her dad. He was standing a distance off. The pastor baptized her, and she came up out of the waters, and she was excited. She took the bangles that were on her wrist that were worn to her God, her family's God, and threw them to the ground. And she looked over at her dad with tears down her face, and he looked back. She was hoping that maybe her confidence in doing this would win his heart, but instead, he spat in her direction said some words in Telugu, and then left. I asked the interpreter, what did he say? He said, you are no longer my daughter. You are no longer welcome in our home, and I hope you die. I wonder how many of us would have went through the waters knowing that was the cost. You see, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, they knew by going they knew by coming out and asking Pilate, now it's going to become public. But you know what? They had seen what Jesus did, and they said, we can't hide anymore. And so they come publicly before Pilate and say, we want the body of our Jesus so that we can prepare him properly for burial. Church, do you worry about what others think of you? Do you worry about not sharing your faith at, Christ, at, at work because what people think I'm some weirdo? Or do you say, there's nothing holding me back 
I'm a follower of Jesus and I'm not ashamed. So it's not only risking your comfort, it's not only risking your reputation. Church, it can also be risking your life. It can be risking your life. What do we say about Peter? Good old Peter. I'm so thankful for the Peters in the world because they show me God doesn't strike us dead when we mess up. If he did, I wouldn't be here. But Peter, do you remember? Peter was told he would deny Jesus three times, and he said, Lord, I'll never do that. Jesus said, before the cock crows, you will do it. They take Jesus to the, to the trial. Doors are closed. Peter's out warming himself by the fire. He is accused of being a disciple of Jesus. And he's, no, no, I don't know him. And to the point that he curses to try to show he's not part of Jesus. And then Jesus dies. And the last words out of Peter's mouth were, I do not know this man. Can you imagine the guilt the grief. Well, the resurrection happens. But Peter, he doesn't know how to process all this. So guess what he says? He says, guys, I don't know about you, but I'm going back fishing. So he leaves. He leaves and he goes over, he gets on the boat. The other disciples say, hey man, we'll go with you. They get in the boat and they go out and start fishing. The one one of the most beautiful parts of this story that still gets me today is this. Jesus went to them. Jesus could have stayed in the upper room going, when you guys are ready, I'll be here. And church, some of us in restoring brothers and sisters to us stand here and be like, well, when you're ready, I'll be waiting. Go, go to them Seek restoration. Seek to have that restored that once was there. Jesus went to the shore. In fact, he didn't just go to the shore. Guess what he did? He made them breakfast. They see Jesus, and so they start taking the boat there. Peter bails ship. Now, why Peter bailed? We could come up with a million different reasons. Let me throw this one to you. Peter didn't want to see Jesus face to face. He was ashamed. So he thought, you know what? If I'll kind of swim up, let the other disciples get up there, they'll be talking with Jesus and I can just kind of be in the background. And that would be true. Because notice what happens later in that passage that Jesus comes over to Peter. Peter's kind of over here by himself. And Jesus comes over to Peter and he says, Peter, do you love me? See, now he has to respond to Jesus. Now he has to give an answer. Yes, Lord, I love you. Great, feed my sheep. Jesus, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Scripture tells us that Peter gets upset. Yes, Lord, I love you. And he says, feed my sheep. What he's saying is, Get back in. You're forgiven. But then he says something else. He says, because Peter, I want you to know this. There's coming a time where your hands will be stretched out. You see, Peter would end up being crucified, except he would prefer to do upside down so he wouldn't be like Jesus, because there's only one crucifixion that saves the world, right? 
Your hands will be stretched out and you'll be carried where you don't want to go. That's to death. And then the last two words that he says to Peter is this, follow me. Here it is. Then he said to show what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he, Jesus, said to Peter, follow me. So he's had this discourse. He's allowed Peter to be restored. He now says to him, hey, to be all in, here's what it's going to cost you. And so Peter's like, okay, but it lasts like five seconds because the next verse, Peter looks behind and he sees John, the disciple John. And he says, uh, wait a minute, Jesus, before we go too much further in this process, what's he going to do for you? Is he going to die? How are you going to use him? And I could just see Peter, I mean, see Jesus and Jesus is sitting there going, how quickly we lose focus. Some of us say, you know what? If Jesus appeared to me tonight, I would follow him all the rest of my life. I submit to you the example of Peter and tell you it would still be a struggle. Jesus says to Peter, Peter, what is that to you? What is that to you? Whatever happens with John is between me and John. Peter, here's my call to you. And church, here's Jesus' call to all of us. Follow me. Follow me. And church, we get so focused on what everybody else is doing or isn't doing. We get so focused on, well, this person said this, this person did this, this person's not doing this, this person isn't doing that. Sometimes maybe if somebody approaches you and says, hey, would you like to, to be on one of the teams at Journey? And you say, well, I would, but other people are doing it, so I don't need to. Oh, man, we need everybody serving. Or you say, well, when that person serves, then I'll serve. Church, your relationship, listen to me carefully, your relationship is with Jesus. Others are my brothers and sisters in Christ but they do not determine my relationship with Jesus. That is between him and me. And we have let so many things come in the way between Jesus and us that we say, Jesus, sorry, I can't right now. I had a friend a few years ago that was on the Raleigh Police Force. He was called to a situation where a husband and wife were divorced and the wife had worked two jobs to put her husband through school, and when he got through school, he left her for a younger woman. So she had to go and get her stuff out of the house, and they sent the police because to make sure she could get everything. She walked in, and there was all her stuff thrown all over the floor and stepped on and wadded up. And this friend of mine said this woman looked up, and she said, Jesus, you know I love you but I'm going to have to put you down for a few minutes and I'll pick you back up. She went over and started to wail on her ex-husband and beat the fire out of him. <laughs> I asked Bill, I said, Bill, what'd you do? He said, I didn't know what to do. I thought I'm not getting in the way. <laughs> he said, plus I figured he had it coming. So there you go. He said, after a couple minutes, he said, ma'am, that's enough. And she said, okay. So she went and she said, Jesus, I'm back. Here we go. 
But you know what? We often do that in our lives, don't we? We often say, Lord, I love you. And I know what I'm doing is not pleasing to you. And I know it's not what you want me to do. But Jesus, for right now, I just have to. Where we would be, no, Lord, my eyes are on you. And even if it costs me my life, as Jesus told Peter that it would, Lord, I give it to you. I'm all in. You're my focus. You're all that I have. But then I would remind you of what happened to Peter earlier in his life. Do you guys remember when Peter and the disciples were out on the boat? By the way, isn't it kind of interesting that they were on a boat several times when Jesus taught them lessons? They were out on the boat, and the waves were rocking the the boat, and Jesus comes out, and they see him, and he says, fear not, it's me. And Peter says, and in the translation, it says, if it is you, but really in that translation, it should say, since it is you. They knew his voice. They knew it was him. Peter said, Lord, since it's you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Randy, what's so important about that? How many of us are praying for God to remove the water rather than for God to give us the power to walk on the water? We say to God, God, if you'll remove this mean person in my life, then, Lord, I will be free and I can serve you. Lord, if you'll just give me better finances, then, Lord, I will be able to serve you and I'll be able to follow you. Lord, if you will. Lord, if you will. Peter said, Lord, since it is you, command me to come walk on the water. Why did he use the word command? Because he had seen it before, the waters obey him. Remember when they were in the boat and they, Lord, don't you care that we perish? And Jesus came out and he said, peace, be still. Then he turned to him and said, where's your faith? Peter remembered that lesson. So he says, Lord, command me to come to you on the water. Church, I don't know about you. But the Jesus that I serve has all authority and all power, and there is nothing that can tell him no. And in Christianity, we have bought into the fact that we serve a watered-down Jesus. And the same Jesus that commanded Peter to walk on the water to come to him can command you to come through whatever obstacles are in your life to come to him. Nothing can keep you from Jesus. But so many times, we let those things hold us back. My health, my family, my marriage, my job, my doubts. And Jesus is saying, whatever it takes, when you have the will to come to me, you'll come. Nothing can stop you. We look at Daniel in the lion's den how God closed the mouths of the lions. We look at all the miracles that Jesus did. And you say, man, that would be awesome. Only it could happen in my life. You make the effort. You make the decision. You make the declaration. Lord, I want to come to you. 
And he says, you are welcome. Church, don't let the enemy rob you of that. Don't let him let you think that Jesus doesn't work that way today, that you're just kind of holding on until you get to heaven and then you'll, no, he's at work today. He is alive today. And he simply says, come. By the way, Peter had to have faith to get out of the boat. Notice he didn't, he didn't silence the waves. He didn't make it easy. He didn't put red carpet from the boat out to Jesus. Nothing, nothing changed about the circumstances except Peter's faith in believing Jesus. The boat was still rocking. The waves were still crashing. The storm was still raging. The only difference was now Peter saw Jesus. And church today, are you living seeing Jesus? Are you living following Jesus? Or are you living trying to follow religion? Are you living trying to just ease your conscience? Are you trying to live and just say, well, I know I'm saved and I know I won't go to hell, so I'm good with that? Oh, my friend, you're missing out on so much. And when you go all in with Jesus. But I told you we would come back to Matthew 28. Jesus, as he is ascending up to the Father, it's his last words earthly words to his disciples. Let me ask you, if you had 30 minutes to live, what would be your last words? Who would you want to talk to? What would you want to tell them? I guarantee you, if I had 30 minutes left to live, I would not call my wife and daughter to me and say, Hey, next week with the Super Bowl, make sure that you have the nachos and everything ready so that everybody's good. Now, folks, I'm not against the Super Bowl. I'm not against sports and things. But I think sometimes it can become our priority. I would not say to my wife and daughter, hey, when I die, would you take the money from my life insurance and would you buy a nice gunmetal Dodge Ram and just park it right next to me? That would be great. Those aren't conversations I would be having if I only had a few minutes. Jesus is ascending. It's his last few minutes to his disciples. So what he says matters. What he says is of extreme importance. And so he says to his disciples, all power is given to me in heaven and earth. He says, there's nothing that I can't do. There's nothing that I can't control. All power is given to me, so I send you. Here's what I want you to do. Here's three things I want you to do. He said, I want you to go and make disciples of all nations. All nations, all people, all nationalities. Everyone to hear the gospel. He said, I want you to go and take the gospel, make disciples. Then I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Why all three? Why can't we just say, I baptize you in the name of Jesus? Why can't I just baptize you in the name of the Spirit? Why can't I just baptize you in the name of the Father? Because all three are joined in this powerful step of obedience. Do you remember when Jesus was baptized? Was he 18? Was he 25? 30. Why 30? Why didn't he get baptized early? Because remember, when he came in and was born, his parents did everything to 
fulfill the law. Once he had finished fulfilling all the things of the law, and there were even some requirements that that a, a man couldn't serve until he was 30 in the ministry of God. And so Jesus filled all of those. And then when Jesus was beginning ready to start the new covenant, when Jesus was ready to start his ministry, how did he start it? Baptism. He didn't start it with a Bible study. He didn't start it any other way than he went to John and he said, baptize me. John was surprised. Lord, it should be you baptizing me. I know who you are. And he says, let it be. But remember, when Jesus was being baptized and he was there and John the Baptist in the Jordan River brought Jesus up out of the water, the Bible tells us that the Spirit descended like a dove. Here's Jesus. Here's the Spirit. And the father says, this is my beloved son. All three were present. In church, I've said this before and I say it again. As the body of Christ, sometimes we are negligent to not include all three. Whether we leave out the spirit, whether we leave out Jesus, but all three, all Persons of the, of the Trinity were involved at the baptism of Jesus. And it was from that point that he was tried and tested by the devil. It was from that point that he turned water into wine. It was from that point that he fed the 5,000. It was from that point that he called Peter to walk on the water. It was from that point that the power came. And church, if we sit there and go, oh, I don't think baptism is necessary, what we're saying is, Jesus, what you did really wasn't necessary. There is power in obedience. There is power in following Jesus. Why do we get baptized? Because Jesus said to. Not because Randy said to, not because Journey, anything else, because Jesus said to. So let me ask you a question. Have you ever been baptized? Have you ever said, yes, Lord, I'm forgiven of my sins, but Lord, I just don't like to get in front of people. Lord, I just don't like to get wet. Lord, but. Lord, I would, but. Rather saying, Lord, I will, period. Because you see, baptism is when you take all your chips If you were at a table and you look at your hand, you say, I feel pretty comfortable. I feel pretty comfortable with the blood of Jesus. I'm good, but don't, don't ask anymore. And some of you say, well, I, I feel pretty good with baptism. I've been baptized. So there goes the blue chips. But don't, don't ask anymore. Lord, okay, you want to use me. You want, you want to have me be your hands and feet. You want me to be your voice. And so, Lord, okay, but just not too much. So, so here's part of that. And if you'll notice, I have some chips in the middle, but I also have some chips in the back, just in case it doesn't work out. Just in case, just in case... Jesus doesn't fulfill it. I still have my reserve. 
Jesus says this, without faith, you cannot serve me. Without faith, it is impossible. You say, but, but Randy, if I come and I push all my chips in, I could lose everything. That is a huge risk. Here's what Jesus said. Any man who will lose his life for my sake will find it. Anyone who loses their life for my sake will find it. Church, what our great shepherd Jesus is calling us to do is not to play it safe, is not to just say, okay, I'll, I'll go to one Bible study. It's not to say, well, I'll get saved, but I won't do baptism. It's where we come and we say, yes, Lord, I do believe in the blood of Jesus Christ. I have asked Jesus Christ to forgive me of my sin. Yes, Lord, I have in obedience followed you in baptism. And yes, Lord, all that I have is given to you. So Lord, I'm all in. Lord, I'm all in. I'm not holding anything back. Lord, I give it all to you. I give my money to you. I give my marriage to you. I give my kids to you. I give my future to you. I give my eternity to you. I give it all. When you give it all, you're saying, I trust you. Remember I told you, you place the bet, you place the risk on the strongest hand. And my friend, there is no stronger hand than the hand of Jesus. And so if you're here and you're struggling, if you're here and you're saying, I, you know, I. I've accepted Jesus as my savior, I've been baptized, but man, I'm just, I'm just struggling. I just don't know, what are you holding back? Because you can go and see when people were following Jesus all in, when Mary understood who Jesus was, she worshiped him all in. She didn't care who was watching. Mary Magdalene, who was healed of seven demons, she came, and even though all the rich people were looking, she came and took the ointment and broke it and wiped the feet of Jesus because Jesus was all she saw. So church, are you ready to go all in? Or are you still holding back? Baptism is one of those physical things that we see demonstrated because we can't see people's heart. I can't look at you and tell if you're all in or not. But I can tell you this, if you haven't been baptized, you're not all in because Jesus said to do it. He doesn't say you have to meet these qualifications. All, he has to, all you have to be is a child of God and he invites you to come. So in a moment, you're gonna have an opportunity to respond. In an opportunity, in a moment, you have an opportunity to come and say, I want all to know I'm all in. Some have signed up, they're ready. You say, Randy, I, I came and, man, I'd love to, but I don't have anything. Listen, brother, listen, sister, we got everything you need. We've got the clothes, we've got the towels, all we need is you. All we need is your surrender to Jesus and say, I'm all in. church maybe you're here and you say Randy I have the red chip I've been saved by the blood of Christ 
I've got the blue chip. I have been baptized. Then as the team will come and sing in just a moment, I would invite you to just come up to this area. Come up. This area has been prayed over. This area has been given to God. And I would just encourage you to come up near the baptism pool and just say, Lord, I need to renew my relationship with you. I've been focused on the Johns of this world. I've been focused on the situations of this world. I've been involved in the waves around me, and they're crashing around. But Jesus, today, I'm coming back and just seeing you. Jesus, today, I'm all in. Will you respond that way? You will not regret it. And you'll know the difference between being partially in and being all in. So at this time, those that will be baptized, I invite you to go ahead and exit the sanctuary and to prepare. To get up and come, go. Even if you didn't sign up, even if you say, I don't have anything, come. We'll take care of it. Come. Be obedient. But then after I pray, and as the team comes to sing, you come and fill this place and just say, Lord, stir that fire in me. Lord, I want to see Jesus. I am all in. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, that you don't give up on us. Father, you had every reason to give up on Peter, but you didn't. Because you could see his heart, just like you see ours. So, Father, today we just commit this time to you father there are marriages that need to be restored today because either husband or wife or both haven't been all in they've been trying to play games they've been trying to get advantage they've been trying to do things Lord I pray that you would help them to go all in in their marriage in their relationship with their friends the relationship with their kids or their parents Father, we don't want to play games. We don't want to be half-hearted. We want to see your power. We want to see your glory. We want to be your hands, your feet. So, Father, we're all in. Father, may you see us giving that to you today. May you receive the honor and glory. Of course, in Jesus, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.